You're listening to Well Workplaces, where our vision is for a world where the workplace creates and leads healthier communities. And in episode 15, Josh, my co-host, chats with Melissa Hosey, who is the Wellbeing Manager for EY. Mel shares some absolute gold nuggets of advice, including how wellbeing initiatives were adapted literally overnight at EY in March 2020. She talks about how digital wellbeing platform for EY has changed the game for employees and allowed the teams to measure wellbeing. She talks about the mental health challenges for 2020 and also shares some insights in what the future of wellbeing looks like in 2021 and beyond. It's a really interesting conversation and a great episode for HR leaders who are looking to gain the edge going into 2021 and beyond. Enjoy. Welcome everyone to the Well Workplaces podcast. I'm the host for today, Josh Lambert, and I'm super excited. We have Mel Hosey here from EY today. How are you going, Mel? Good, thanks, Josh. How are you? Really, it's, it's December tomorrow, isn't it? So it it's, is. uh, yeah, getting to that exciting time of the year, really. But nice to be chatting to you. Before we get into it and I ask you some questions, Mel, and we really dive into wellbeing in a bit more context, I might just start acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land that I'm dulling in from today, which are the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. So, Mel, welcome. Thank you, Josh. Thanks for having me. Very excited to be joining you for the, the podcast today. Yeah, well, it's, it's pretty exciting. And I guess for context for the listeners here, you and I know each other. You are obviously well-being at Ernst & Young and you've been there. We've been in that role for the last, is it six or seven months now? Yeah, yeah it's been since about March. Since about March, yeah. So good timing with everything going on <laughs> in 2020, isn't it? I, that's my, yeah, that's what I say to everyone. I've got really great timing. <laughs> Love it. So that context there, so obviously wellbeing is how you and I know each other and I'm excited to get into what led you into that. But first of all, are you able just to, for our listeners' benefit to explain the, your role at EY and what it is that you do on a daily, weekly, monthly basis? Yeah, absolutely. So I look after the uh, well-being of our people across Oceania. And basically what we do is try to increase people's awareness for their personal well-being. And we do that in a number of ways. But our program really centres around the fact that our well-being really relates to four key aspects, physical, mental or emotional, our social, which is through connections and financial well-being. So we basically try to bring different uh, programs and initiatives to our people that help to drive that education piece so that people can be thinking about that for themselves and what they might need to do either on a regular basis or at various points in time that will increase their level of, of well-being with those particular aspects. Love it, Mel. Love it. And you've gone, that's a really nice picture to paint already. I like that. <laughs> Just going straight into the well-being pillars. And I'm probably a little bit biased because I get an inside look at you guys and how you do wellbeing, but certainly we say this quite a lot that it is a best in class wellbeing program that you guys have. We'll come to that in a moment, but what got you into this? So you're obviously passionate about it yourself. What led you into wellbeing and the role that you're in at the moment? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm an advocate for wellbeing and have been for a while. I've actually, so while new to the role, I've been with EY for, I've just celebrated my 15 year milestone with EY. Oh, hey. 
That's Congrats. gone quick. Thank you. Um, feels like there was a very uh, public uh, announcement of my age somewhat when the work anniversaries were celebrated there, but it, it has gone really quick. And I think throughout my time at EY, I've worked across a, a number of um, groups and teams from a talent team perspective. So I was a HR generalist before this role. And basically in working with our business leaders and stakeholders, always been a thread of our discussions and our initiatives. One that I've always connected with just in terms of how we ensure our people and leaders are focused on their individual and then the collective well-being um, of their teams. I also led a team of about 20 uh, a few years ago and I think it's one of the greatest experiences that I had of course before this one of my EY career where I was able to put into practice all that coaching and advice that I'd previously given to, to my stakeholders and just um, to share an example there we had the team were really under significant pressure they had volume like they'd never experienced before and I think it just meant that as the, the leader of that team, we really need to focus on the well-being as well as the productivity and the output of um, what they were facing. So it was around making sure that everyone was coming together to support one another, to work towards a, a common set of goals. Teaming was really important there. But then on, on the backside to that, just making sure that I was connecting in with people on a one-on-one -on -one basis to ensure that they were being um, looked after and that they felt supported and that they were looking after themselves. And I think one of those conversations um, led to a, I could say there was one particular team member that was struggling and so that led to a very open discussion around me sharing my concerns and for that person feeling that they could open up and share back with me what their experience was and together I just asked what how is it that I could support you as an individual and we put together a plan for that person to take some regular time off to care for themselves so that would be to go for appointments with their psychologist to exercise or even just to rest and I think for me that was just a, as a leader one of the key experiences in being able to help someone and recognizing that need and I think for me in terms of my own well-being I'm someone that has had to pay particular attention um, to when I'm feeling mentally well and recognizing signs when perhaps I'm not so I am a strong advocate of seeking support and, and help in those periods where you know I'm not feeling um, as great as I could be and counseling has been one of the greatest ways I think that I've been able to achieve that and earlier this year reached out through our EAP for some support when we had uh, remote working and remote schooling going on at, at the same time. And I just felt as a parent to my seven-year-old that I could do with some extra support and guidance in terms of um, how that was maybe affecting me and, and my relationship with my child at that point in time. And got a little piece of information and advice that I think I, I took away and it helped to improve or just alleviate some of the pressure or concerns I think that I was placing upon myself at at that point in time and I think from a physical sense I've always been someone that can clearly recognize when um, I'm exercising I'm feeling well and maybe when I'm not prioritizing myself in, in that way I don't feel so well so exercise I think for me has also been a, a real key. Oh thank, thanks so much for sharing that Mel that's it's really nice and it's the amount of conversations I've had this year about people sharing their personal journey as well. I think this year has certainly been the year with everything going on with COVID that people like yourself and myself that have worked in wellbeing, maybe there's that sort of understanding or this expectation that there's always layers and so on. And I really loved hearing you, one, share your personal story, but also there, also sharing that you're one-on-one, -on -one, there's people you've reached out to individually. I think sometimes people make the assumptions, big global organisations like EY that oh there's corporate level and then there's these layers 
between you and maybe the employer that's getting affected. But I, I know you well, Mel, and I know that you've been dialing into just about every single one of the um, <laughs> classes we've been running as well, which is another story altogether. But it is very much rolling the sleeves up. It's, you know, direct to the employees. We're, we're all humans after all. So I was really, yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. It's really nice to see that, yeah, get, getting in and, and getting involved in it all. So one other thing I wanted to ask you, so you're in a wellbeing purist role now. You've been that HR more generalist over your career and you've been at EY a while now, so congrats on that. What have you, How have you seen wellbeing evolve? I know it's been 15 years at EY, but you've been in the HR space. How's it changed from today to 15 years ago at EY? Yeah, absolutely. Great question, Josh. I think it certainly has been a thread, as I think I said before, in terms of maybe how we've interacted with our, our leaders, their understanding of what wellbeing looks like. And I think it's evolved from maybe this understanding that it's, oh, you just go to EAP for if you need support to a culture of, I think, as we just touched on there, leaders really engaging with the concepts, leaders looking out um, for their people and our people looking out for one another. So for me, I think the 15 years that I've been at EY this year, I've been probably the proudest I ever have been to work um, for this company. I think we've done a phenomenal job in terms of really wellbeing took centre stage. So we were quite fortunate that we had laid all the groundwork and, and that's obviously thank great thanks to the people that have been in the role before me that had set up a, a business case and they had set up, I guess, our program in such a way that people were already engaging, particularly over the last few years to help them understand that it is more than going to EAP for support, that we have our four pillars that we mentioned before and how important each of those pillars were this year became really, it really came into sharp focus. And the fact that they all really lead to great mental health. So if any of those pillars was knocked about that mental health could be a, a consequence of that. So I think our leaders then have have really understood what that program looks like, how we can educate. But then what we saw is that we were more, we were engaging more. We were asking people how they were feeling. And I think in, in this year, for all that it has been, and it's been incredibly challenging and difficult, we've had more conversations around people's mental health, and that can only be a good thing. So for me, what I've um, observed is that, and maybe as we take it away, as a silver lining of the, the pandemic. Unfortunately, more people have felt that their mental health health has been challenged, but they've been more open to talk about it. And I think that's because more people are experiencing that. We've really spent some time this year just making sure that our, our people are equipped to have those conversations, to recognise the signs, and then to feel comfortable to reach out and ask if someone is feeling okay. And we'll take that a step further. We're now introducing our mental health uh, first aid program where we've got a, about 100 people going through that at the moment and hopefully they'll become accredited and we'll be able to, to publish names and just provide our people with another avenue of support. So I guess in terms of that question, Josh, how has it changed and how has it evolved? More people talking about it and more people really understanding what it means more broader than traditionally just being an EAP program. And I think for us, the, the physical side of it has really come um, to the fore as well. So we've obviously quite lucky that we've got the wellness centre through you guys in Sydney, but being able to pivot our program this year and bring that across Oceania in a virtual sense and really help people to tune in and dial in at a time that might um, suit them while they're at home to pay attention to that physical side of, of wellbeing, I think has been really key for our people as well. 
Absolutely. We were blown away, actually, weren't we? How quickly it all happened in a week or so and the engagement skyrocketed. Like we were, we were engaging your Oceania, obviously, but you were getting employees from multiple locations. There are, I think the first class from memory is something like 150 people dialed into the first class and, and, it, and it continued to have really strong engagement. And that was really testament to that quick, all right, well, let, let's quickly offer something. But it turned out to be probably a better, and, and we're in discussions now, aren't we, about having more of those options longer term, which is fantastic. Staying on the, don't want to hone in too much on COVID, but also we're still currently, it's November the 30th now. It has been a defining moment in wellbeing in a lot of ways. Moving forward, and I, I use you guys as a bit of a best-in-class sort of test case, you mentioned physical, you, sorry, you, you mentioned your four pillars, but the actual practicalities of your program, how employees get to access wellbeing initiatives and so on, you've got the wellness centre, but you also got this digital platform through Virgin Pulse. There's a lot of people out there three or four times a day I'm having conversations with people and they're going, what can we do digitally? How can we get wellbeing out to people everywhere? Are you able to maybe shed a bit of light on the, the digital wellbeing platform at EY and what that's been able to achieve over the last six, seven months? Yeah, absolutely, Josh, and probably quite fortunate for us that there'd been a lot of work that had gone in before my time with the um, people in this role beforehand to get that ready to go. And I guess it's been a shining beacon of light for our people this year that we were able to, to launch, I think it was around May. So we've worked with Virgin Pulse to deliver our My Wellbeing Hub, as it's called, and it really has been just such a significant way in which we can put in the palm of everybody's hands the resources that they need from a well-being perspective and it does that in a few ways so each person can go in and complete their health risk assessment or their my pulse survey which is around 50 questions takes less than 10 minutes to complete and it will provide the individual with some feedback in terms of maybe any key risk areas that they might want to to focus on and to help them with that it pushes out or recommends some programs that could support so those programs will align with our four pillars if it if there's someone that might be struggling with their mental health, it will promote the EAP service along with tip sheets and other ideas and ways in which they can address that. It might be that sleep's impacted. I know that's impacted a lot of people. I think this year, then there'd be some programs or recommendations or even habits that the person can put in place to try and make incremental steps towards addressing those key needs. And we've got the opportunity there for the person to go in and access all the programs, the resources we're able to promote the sessions that we run with um, Pinnacle through our calendar of events. And I think what our people have most enjoyed this year, which I don't know that we could have um, predicted to the extent to which it's been as successful as it has, but the challenges. So I think we've also found that we're quite competitive, but we have pushed out a, a few step challenges along the way, which particularly for our people that have been in locations like ourselves in Melbourne, where restrictions have um, been long lasting. There were periods there when we we're only able to go outside for certain lengths throughout the day, the, the step challenges were an opportunity for us to really connect and to promote and motivate one another to, to take steps um, towards wellbeing. But we were all craving that connection as well. So it obviously hit a few cues in terms of what it was able to achieve. So teams of seven coming together and really motivating one another to, might not be that we could go run marathons or anything like that, but vigorous vacuum, vacuum cleaning was okay or playing 
some games with the, the kids. I know I took up Just Dance, so <laughs> that helped me to get a few extra steps on the board. But we've just had some really great success in pushing out step challenges throughout the year. So going through one at the moment, which has been a six-week step challenge where we're virtually walking to each of our EY offices across Oceania. So that's quite a bespoke challenge, but it's been really nice to look at the information that we step to and the challenge along the way in terms of what each of the offices might look like and some important information around that particular location. So we've got great engagement, great enrollment. And I think what we're also now seeing from it, just from an EY perspective, is that there's some data that we can collect, which is quite useful to us to really look as a whole at our organisation and see where there might be any areas that we want to address, any risk areas, or what it might be that our program evolves to or is most important next in terms of maybe driving those initiatives. So we always want to ensure from an EY perspective that we're creating programs that are meaningful that are timely and that will be of interest to people. So we're able to utilise some of the data now at the back end to see um, how we can look at structuring uh, our program. I love it. I love it. And it's so it, it's funny that you touched on earlier timing, all about timing this year, but I, I find it hard to believe how you guys would have really, I, I saw the pre and post having the digital platform, but that has really been a factor to you guys being able to get such engagement this year and, and I know what you're saying you had engagement beforehand but also it's been able to just be that entry point for so many people into the program has it really has and for people that haven't been so much focused on physical well-being before it, it meets everyone where they are on their journey so it's not about as I said being able to run a marathon it's just the incremental steps that people can take from a personal well-being perspective that really help them achieve whatever it is that their goals are. So I think it has been, it's done a fabulous job of that. And coming back to the data, which um, Josh, you can probably tell I'm, I'm quite interested in, but what's been really in, um, great for us to now see is that it can, it, it's been able to track. So people that maybe were 3000 um, steps a day, people before a step challenge, how has the step challenge helped them in moving upwards um, towards 5000 steps a day or information of that kind. So we're seeing that it's got benefits in terms of, we don't just push out a challenge because it's something nice to do but there's actual benefits in terms of maybe creating some habits that are a little longer lasting and that help people from a physical uh, and mental and social well-being perspective 100 percent. and and you and i don't need to you know explain to each other why well-being is important obviously it's been a, a huge you know part of your life and part of your professional life as well but it's i guess the other problem that solving isn't because you guys have this correct me if i'm wrong about six thousand of you guys Oceania wide, it's about 6,000 employees. Am I right in saying that or is it 3,000? Is it really? 9,000, yeah. Far yep. out. But having that as well, I know what it was like beforehand. And I remember chatting with Bridget, meeting with Bridget and getting the sort of the column. So here's Melbourne, here's Sydney, here's Brisbane, here, and, and here's all the locations. And then going, what does, you know, 2019 look for Melbourne? What does siloing it in a lot of ways based only on location? So by having this digital platform, the the programs in built into that, not only are all the programs self-directed, but the data, I, I, I didn't realise you were such a data buff, but it is so <laughs> exciting to have this for you as the stakeholder at the end of a year or quarterly to be able to go, great, we've had X amount of change in this 3,000 to 6,000 steps is, is now the new norm. That sort of stuff is just so powerful. So I'm, I'm sure it's been handy information for you to have to justify what you guys are, are investing in as well. 
Absolutely. I think it's a really useful data point just for us, our key stakeholders and our leaders too. So we're able to share that information. It's not individualised, but we can certainly look at a, a business uh, line and a unit and, and be able to share information around maybe any differences in terms of what key challenges are or where things are going really well. So we do see it as a, a really important aspect to um, the offering. But I think for the most part, being able, again, to put in the resources into people's hands this year has been so critical and we can see again that the most clicked or accessed uh, resources are things like our EAP where they can log into the hub and click through and make an appointment. So it's as simple as that and being able to provide that I think in such a challenging year has been just a real example of the success I think that we've been able to have from a wellbeing perspective. Absolutely. Have you seen, we've obviously spoken about well-being being in the spotlight and I know conversations I'm having it's now we're it's December tomorrow it's been a pretty hectic year people have been encouraged to really engage in well-being initiatives and there's been certainly some clients we work with that maybe well-being wasn't top of the agenda but it's been really the key thing this year have you seen some almost fatigue or some people going cool I understand that well-being is important but I just don't want to do that yoga class that you're throwing at me again here. So have you seen any of that? And, and that's not to be a negative, by the way, but have you picked up on any of that this year? And yeah, can you shed any light on that? Yeah, the fatigue, Josh, has been, look, I think we're all feeling it now and particularly as we're getting closer to inching towards the end of the year. And I think it's it's also been somewhat exacerbated because we've been remote working since March. Now, our offices have opened back up, but we've also found that a lot of people are still working remotely because we can and for whatever reason, that might be the way of the future. I guess what we're experiencing is that maybe some slower or less traction and engagement for our programs as we're heading towards the end of the year, but we've still got strong engagement in things like the STEP challenge. So from that fatigue perspective, the the resounding message that will come from us and from our leaders and, and key champions and sponsors across EY will be taking the opportunity of our three-week break coming up to really reset and recharge, get ready for the the new year, but also just to unwind from from the experience that 2020 has been. And we're going to leave our people with a a few um, key thoughts around and reflections, ask them to reflect on what is it that they've learned about themselves. So it's been an incredibly challenging year, but we might have found that we're more resilient as a result or that the physical side to well-being has been something that I've enjoyed and I'll take into the new year. But we want everyone to reconnect, to take the opportunity to schedule some fun in that break to be more mindful I I don't know about you Josh but I think for me this year the whole the multitasking whether it's you know work related or when we were balancing work with uh, family all being at home at the same time I don't know that I've been able to um, really nail the whole being mindful and being present piece so I know for me that will be a key goal I think over that three-week break and we're just hoping that everyone takes that opportunity and comes back into the new year totally Vitalized and refreshed, ready for 2021. I love it. Yeah, it's a great point you, you raised. And I remember chatting to you. It would have been maybe the first sort of pretty strong lockdown in Melbourne. And I remember you were homeschooling at the time, I think. And I, yeah, we had the kids at home as well. And it was just for you and I to get 10 minutes to chat was quite an achievement. And we're, I think we had kids in the background while we were chatting as well. So it's certainly going to, it's been hard, hasn't it? Because we're talking about mindful and focusing on our well-being, but it's been a year where 
juggling for many people, for those lucky enough to be working from home and having that, but it's, it's been a challenge. So yeah, certainly I'm, I'm in your boat as well. With, last question I'll ask you and it'd be, yeah, I really love that whole reset the expectations for next year, but also really get introspective and look at what, what you achieved this year, what you learned about yourself. There's a lot of probably a lot of people listening going, oh, here's a fantastic person in Mel. She's a stakeholder of this big, uh, well-established organisation. I've got all these resources available to them, but there'll be some people going, how do I start next year? What would I do next year to encourage my employees back into to the office or set up a wellbeing program? So did you have any sort of bits of advice? And I'm throwing this at you as the last question here, but any bits of advice or tips that you've learned in your experience for those people listening going, well, where do I start next year or what, what should I do next year? Yeah, I think the key ingredient to success there would be asking people what it is that they're looking for. And I know we'd be looking to do the same. So we've had great success this year. Wellbeing has taken centre stage. We've had great support endorsement, leadership, sponsorship, everyone's doing you know all that they can from a well-being perspective and we've been so incredibly proud of how we've been able to show that genuine care and commitment to our people but we want to make sure that what we're bringing them in the new year is going to be meaningful too and and so I think for us our programs had to be really agile from that perspective just to make sure that we're continuing to listen so that piece that we we're just talking about from the fatigue perspective it might have been okay hold tight on whatever plans that we had lined up for the rest of this year and think about what's going to be really important now and we wouldn't have known that unless we were listening, I guess, to the feedback of, of our people. So it's all fine to be sitting here and thinking up creative initiatives, but they've got to resonate. They've got to be what people want. So I think for anyone that's looking at their program coming into the new year, it's really focusing and trying to listen into what it is that people are crying out for or that they need. And if this remote working is the way of the future and the way that we need to operate, how is it that we can bring programs to our people in a virtual environment that will make sense? And I know you and I, Josh, have talked a little bit about the whole reimagining of the office and what we draw people in for, if it's the collaboration piece, but how also do we bring well-being front and centre of our engagements and to our teams in terms of what they're thinking of as they're working alongside one another. So the key ingredient there will just be I think asking some really key questions I think mental health will continue to play um, a central role and so for anyone that's thinking about what their program might look like coming into 2021 really thinking about how we create a mentally healthy workplace for our people we spend so much of our time at work as we know and so what is it that we can really do to help our people build resilience so that they can get through the stresses that life might throw at any point in time and recognising that it's okay when we're not feeling as mentally strong. So helping uh, our people to be equipped just as we have this year to have that conversation with another, one another and refer. It's not about being the, the psychologist, but knowing how to refer someone to the support that might be available and just letting them know that we're there and we care and um, we're able to ask those questions. So I think the mental health part of you know what it is that we're trying to achieve will play a critical role going forward too yeah said so really asking the people again you have the you know this really fancy program but really what i love about it is that you guys are really prepared to roll up the sleeves but also listen to the person sitting next to you because that's you can get all these ideas that it's really convoluted and complex but at the end of the day we're here and we care type attitude is yeah. certainly what resonates with you guys i wanted to say Mel, yeah thank you so much for taking the time and congratulations to yourself obviously there's bridget 
before you, there's Gina and Lakshmi and your guys' team. It's really great from our end working with people that really live and breathe it. And certainly for you guys, again, I'm not just saying this because you've said yes to coming on the podcast here, but you guys have this world-class wellbeing program and it's really why you're succeeding in what you're doing. So massive congrats to you guys. Thank you, Josh. And we have to say a thank you back to you and to Pinnacle for the support. We talked before about just that ability to pivot so quickly with the program and the offering and draw people in. I know we talked before about putting a program out to people who might not have had a program before and and certainly in places like um, Fiji and and PNG. This has been a real opportunity for us to engage uh, with our people across there. And so only thanks to you guys. I think the partnership that we've got, you've just been able to understand what it is that we're trying to push out in terms of our initiatives and come up with creative ideas of ways in which we can do that so um, a big thanks back to you too oh throwing it straight back there Mel thank you for those lovely kind words and again awesome chatting you and I we know we could talk well-being for a long time and I really appreciate you taking the time today and for those people listening yeah some really good gold nuggets to take out of this and worth jotting down some dot points if you're listening to this so thanks again Mel and we will chat soon no doubt Thanks, Josh. Have a great day.